Welcome to Help from Future Self. Welcome to another episode of Help from Future Self. It's the conversational Keyforge podcast by and for Keyforge friends. I am your Keyforge friend. My name is Scuzzy Gruen. I am also called Alex by those who know me, which I hope includes you. And I am joined by two of my very best Keyforge friends. We've got S.C. Steele. Hey, hey. And the homie Boulevard Blake. Yo, yo. Huge 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 keyforge news since the last time we recorded guys um this kind of came out of left field and i think we were all kind of left a little shell shocked just from the actual content of this particular post that came up on ffg's website titled portentously down but not out <laughs> yeah that is quite the title so if you have not heard about what was in this particular blog post on FFG's website, it is a lot of news. And, uh, you know, it's a mixed bag. Um, if if Down But Not Out doesn't suggest to you that uh, there is some some information in here that could be portrayed as, as negative or could be interpreted as negative, and some that is, you know, I think somewhat disappointing for us as fans of the game, then, well, you know, it, that's... Very true. It's there. But there's also a lot of positivity to this. And uh, in our discussion before we decided to sit down and record today, uh, Sydney and Blake and myself agreed that we're more interested in what this means from a possibility standpoint and looking at this from the perspective of, you know, what this could potentially mean in a positive light for the game, while also wanting to address the fact that, you know, it's natural to have some feelings about something like this. Um, I think that we're going to try and keep things on the positive tip, as we always have in the past, while at the same time acknowledging the fact that, you know, there's there's a, a definitely some stuff in here that's a bit of a bummer. Absolutely. Yeah. I think the fact that they communicated everything the way that they did means that they weren't they weren't holding anything back. They were just trying to give the fans as much information as possible so that they weren't holding out hope for something that wasn't going to happen or maybe even get mad at FFG. But I think the fact that they released all this information together gives us a lot to think about. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I also think that the the timing of this within the general scope of uh, various forms of OP play being, you know, kind of up and down and it seems kind of tenuous whether we're going to have something that can be done with the various different uh, situations going on around the globe and this being a global game it makes it I think a lot harder for them trying to be I guess a responsible company and having people come together and maybe that's not possible in some areas and more possible in others and kind of how do you do it so uh, I think all these things kind of became factors of of the timing of this. So to actually get into the, the actual meat of what was in this blog post, um, it starts off by saying, you know, things have been tough for the last 18 months, and that's undeniable. No OP, limited amount of content, things have been difficult for them to communicate in terms of when sets are going to come out. And they basically straight up say, we would have loved to have released more actual product in this time. But the reasons why they may not have are fairly evident. You know, if there's no OP, how does that drive sales of the product? Do people actually want to buy new product when they can't go out and play at their local game stores, et cetera, et cetera. But the, the long and the short of it is they've said that they are putting the game on hiatus. In those words, exactly. Yes. Yep. We'll talk about what that might mean in a little bit. But to move on from that, one of the reasons for this hiatus is not just the pandemic, it is the fact that the algorithm that is used to generate Keyforge decks is broken. 
And we'll have some discussion about that and the reasons for that and and our own feelings about that momentarily. But that was a huge bomb going off just because it it seems impossible. How do you break an algorithm? Why can't you just back up the code? Why wouldn't you just look at the code and find out what's wrong with it and fix it? And they've done things like that in the past. And we have a little bit of insight into that from a few posts that have happened online. But those were the first two things that came out right up out of the gate and made you go, oh my gosh, like, wow, I, I can see why you guys are releasing an update about this because that's huge. But that's followed by two fairly positive developments. The first is that they have an entire new set ready to go. And in fact, they say in this blog post that if the algorithm was fixed, then they would actually be getting this ready to print and then get out into stores for the fall season. The uh, set is called Winds of Exchange. We're going to dedicate basically the episode of Help From Yourself next week to talking about the possibilities of this set and the intricacies of this set. But they also go on to say that beyond Winds of Exchange, they are going to start working with Stainless Games... Uh, who are responsible for the MTG game duels of the Planeswalkers, to launch a digital version of Keyforge, courtesy uh, of them and uh, Stainless Games. Um, the, The actual language they use, and I think this is important, is we very much hope and intend to launch a digital version of Keyforge. Interpret that however you may. But basically it ends things off by saying, look, this is the situation we're not giving up on Keyforge because we love Keyforge and the game means a lot to us here at FFG. You know, this is just to let you know what's going on so that you don't lose hope in the game. So guys, just to start things off, Sydney, what were your feelings when uh, you first read all the information in this blog post? So I caught a glimpse of some of this information on Discord before I actually got to the blog post and I had a complete mix of emotions. So the the first one that that kind of hit me was a little bit of relief, but more along the lines of that was just the first one I recognized because it was us getting news from FFG about Keyforge. And so before I even set my eyes on the text, I knew that they them talking to us was going to be a good thing. But then when I, I started started reading the article and they talked about a hiatus, I guess I also felt a little bit of a relief because they are taking the time to fix whatever it is that's broken. So it's not like they're going to patch things together and, and push it until it's so broken that the game can't recover from that. But by the time I got to the end of the episode, I really, really got the I got the deep feels here because they they end the they end the article with hang in there keyforge fans the best is yet to come and they talk about how they are very invested in the game and it's their baby and they really want it to be successful so i i just i felt them pouring their emotions into this article like reading between the lines of everything they were saying so i i had a huge mix of emotions what about yourself blake for me i think that Based on this happening after the year we've just had, it was, I think, easier to process and digest because we've already had to go through this because of unforeseen circumstances. Like the game was kind of on a hiatus to begin with when the pandemic first hit for all intensive purposes. Like we didn't know really what's happening. And then from that, the community, I think as a whole, really rose up and came together to make Keyforge a thing, even though OP wasn't a thing. And that was really exciting to see because it just showed the strength of the community. And with that strength of the community that became so obvious and so evident, 
I think that we will see a similar thing occur now with this news. And I think this hiatus is only going to be something that creates a, a blip in the matrix, so to speak. And uh, we are going to see the community continue to bond together and continue to to rise. The only thing that's a downfall is I, th- I think the growth of the game in terms of player expansion and bringing new blood in may be a little bit more challenging without something immediately on the way. That's that's the my one sort of, I guess, caveat to the excitement. But I think knowing that something else exists in terms of a next set and knowing that they're looking to do the online client and admitting that something is broken and it needs to be fixed. And, and rather than, like Sydney said, just trying to like stack on top, like taking the time to do this, I think is a, a very positive thing. Like if it's not going to be done right, then don't do it at all sort of thing. So let's get it done right first. Yeah. Um, I, I echo both of your feelings. Um, I got a lot of feels from reading it. I want to address something here um, because I, I think I felt sort of the same roller coaster of just like, oh my goodness, the game's going on hiatus. But oh my goodness, there's a new set and it looks really neat and possibility of an online client. Like this is the most acknowledgement we have ever gotten that they want to do an online version. There's always right. been whispers and little rumbles and sort of hints here and there. But this is them straight up saying, we want to do it. We're actively talking to somebody about doing it. So that at least, you know, I think that's that's part of, I think the only reason that they're even admitting that is because they realize, you know, that this is such a downer and they really wanted to include as much good news in this entire, this entire uh, blog post as possible. Possible. But I think one of the big things is that a lot of people saw this and instantly interpreted this, and I saw this on Reddit quite a bit, um, as Keyforge is dead. People literally oh, interpreted yeah. this as this is the end of Keyforge. To which my answer is, why would they put this blog post together at all if that was the case? Like, yeah, what, just keep what, raking yeah. in the money and let it die if, it, if yeah, that's exactly. what they want. Yeah, why I would also they- feel like these are the same people who've been saying that since AOA. So here we are. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, you know, like the, on Reddit especially, I try not to to listen to like or pay too close attention because I, you know I've been hearing that Keyforge is dead since like two months after Keyforge came out on Reddit. But like, I, I think that them saying we are invested in this game, this game needs time off to basically recover from this catastrophic failure of one key aspect of it. And then we're going to relaunch it with all new content and hopefully with the digital client at some point in the future. That's all positive stuff. It's literally just saying like it's it's keeping us informed. It's the opposite of the game being dead. It's them saying we have work to do to make sure that the game survives and does well. And so I don't know how you read that and go, well, Keyforge is dead unless you're paranoid and think that, you know, this is just some some major spin control to keep people buying what product is out there before they cancel the whole thing. I do know there's people who um, have this, uh, let's call it, uh, like PTSD from FFG's other games. Mm. I know that there are some people out there who have that sort of thing, but I'm not one of them. This was my first FFG game. so But I I do know that that exists. There's also, you're listening to us from the future, whereas we're recording this the day before Fantasy Flight has their in-flight report, and you're listening to us the day after they've had their in-flight report. So you'll already know what they've talked about, but right now, the expectation is that they're not going to mention Keyforge at all. And had that been true without this article, without somebody telling the Keyforge fans something, going silent in their in-flight report was really, really going to be bad news. So... 
there may have been a little bit of pressure or there simply may have been a, a want to keep the fans happy. But either way, this this article is very, very poignantly timed. Mm-hmm. I want to take a quick moment to read from a Facebook post that was made by Aaron Haltom, who works with on KeyForge uh, and is one of the devs with uh, the KeyForge team um, that Sydney, you brought to our attention. Thank you very much for that, Sid. Um, and basically it's clearing up some of the information that from that uh, blog post that people are speculating about. This is, I think, the most pertinent part. The algorithm broke might sound like a bit of a gloss over, but it's not far from the truth. We had a big loss of data. I still don't know exactly how it happened, and I probably couldn't tell you if I did, but I can confirm the facts of the article. We've got Winds of Exchange fully developed, and it is sweet. Sweet's all in cap there, caps there. <laughs> but we now have to rebuild the algorithm from the ground up before we can actually print decks, and that's going to take some time. But it's an opportunity for us to really do things the right way to integrate with the digital version being developed finally. That's important to note because I think a lot of people had said, how can the algorithm break? Did they lose the license to the algorithm? Is that not a thing that they can do anymore? Richard Garfield has a new game coming out. Could that be impacting it? That was a particular theory that I saw. Oh, yeah. was, Did there was someone a couple of other sabotage theories. it? That yeah. was one we saw as well. Um, but straight up, like, you know, I, I don't work um, in, in app development or anything like that, but I am familiar with the fact that it does sometimes happen that pieces of code get corrupted or or nuked and they don't have a proper backup for whatever reason. So this doesn't seem unreasonable to me that this could happen. So I actually had a discussion with uh, Chris, my husband, on this very subject because he actually is very much into iOS development. That's what he does as a day job. So I asked him what this could possibly be so that I would have some background for this discussion. And one of the things that he pointed out is that the algorithm itself isn't actually that hard to write. Getting it into existence might not be that challenging. It's upkeep, but also hard to recreate the same deck because what's happening when the algorithm creates a deck is that it is generating the randomness but then to create the QR code that has to be then read by other parts of the system to then recreate the exact same randomness. That is what is hard to get more and more complicated as mechanics are added or, or as pips are added, like in mass mutation, the fact that the actual Keyforge website couldn't read what type of pips were on which cards. Like the recreation of that knowledge is, is what has to be nailed down. See, I'm, I'm pretty excited at the idea of them building it from the ground up, because I'm, I'm curious if they're going to start looking at different things like um, the potential of understanding that certain cards are maybe pegged as this card contributes to amber control, or this card is a creature, this card contributes to board control, like the actual things that go into the game, and are they going to make it so that there's going to be a threshold of what needs to be included moving forward. Like, is that a possible thing in the algorithm or is it always just going to be, it's completely random and some decks will have zero and some decks will have an abundance sort of thing. Or is there going to be some sort of uh, degree of parity? Cause obviously Dr. Garfield said it's intended to be that some decks are lacking, but well, they have like a threshold. So there isn't a deck that if you scanned it into a DOK, it would be like 0.3, which I have seen before for Ember control. That's actually something they'd probably be easily able to do since they already have things like linked cards or things that can't happen in a deck, certain 
copies that you can't have of a card if you have a different card. So that's probably something they could pull off. Yeah, is there any sort of like pipe dreams you guys have? If uh, the algorithm could be tweaked under your specifications, what would you like to see? Um, I mean, I, I think that the idea of of more deck parity is is always intriguing. But like, if every deck is a heater, then no deck is a heater. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like, there has to be some exceptionalism within within the, the deck layouts. Otherwise, every deck kind of looks and plays the same in, in some on some level. Or there's a, you limit the number of archetypes. And as we all know, the fun of Keyforge oftentimes is like discovering things within decks that seem underpowered or ways in which underpowered decks can sometimes outperform very powerful decks and things like that. So I don't know that I would necessarily want to see like an evening out of the power level of decks. I think ultimately what I would like to see is um, I, I, I want to see fewer decks with large numbers of multiples, if that makes sense. Um, just because, uh, as we know, like at a certain point, that contributes to the super crazy heater deck sometimes. Like getting uh, three or four common cards, like extremely powerful commons, can just make a deck so like crazy powerful. And sometimes I just find like games uh, wherein you know limiting the number of, of 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 good cards to just like two in that particular deck can be like more satisfying games to play in around in general. So maybe that's something that could be interesting to see if they tweaked it in that way. I don't know if that impacts the fun of playing Keyforge for a lot of people. Like, if I can't play a superheater deck, I don't want to play. But for me as a person who, like, isn't insanely competitive and just enjoys playing with decks, it's kind of fun to, like, think of a world where, you know, there are, uh, you know, slightly fewer heaters out there and slightly more just, like, playable but, you know, kind of even decks, I guess. I guess one of the issues, if that did occur would be that I think people would then favor the previous sets over anything new because Very that true. happened. So I think that is something that will always come into play with whatever they do is they they can't make it so that there isn't like, you know, like a generation one of the algorithm, which is everything up until this point, and then generation two of the algorithm. And there's such a there's some sort of discrepancy where there is a favoritism towards I guess the I guess probably it's more gonna be a favoritism towards the old decks. Because I don't think they would care if the new algorithm generated decks that are more favored moving forward because they're always moving forward with that. But if everyone wants to stay stuck in the past with things that are not as obtainable anymore, I think that's where an issue could be. So if the th everything is more powerful from the past, as we've seen with like that original Coda feeling for a long time, then that's going to create an issue with people not wanting to buy things in the future. So I think in some way, it would almost be smarter to make any decks that come out now more powerful than what has existed in the past. Yeah, power creep's a real thing. Mm -hmm. But I guess even beyond power creep, there's the idea, like, I guess, you know, that's almost the opposite of what I said, Blake, but like, I've kind of won over by, by you mentioning that. Obviously, you know, like I said, I like to play decks sometimes that are just like middle of the road decks because those mm -hmm. games can be really fun. Two middle totally. of the road decks versus two heater decks sometimes is a way more interesting game just because it's all about different lines of play and playing with like cards that maybe aren't the best cards, but finding ways to, to paths to victory with them. But yeah, if you're going to take a hiatus and relaunch, then maybe the, the best thing to do is come out and have everything just be hot, 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 and really create that feeling of, oh man, you got to check out what they did with the new set. Mm -hmm. 
Something I think would be really cool if they were able to pull off and probably kind of defeats the purpose of Keyforge would be some sort of decks on demand situation where the the opposite of what you guys were just talking about where um, they they are able to provide the stats or the types of decks or certain connected parts of the the cards where we would provide the algorithm with, I want a deck with logos and uh, these two cards and build the rest of the deck around that. Or an aspect of creating a randomized deck that has some input from a user. And maybe those decks aren't competitive or maybe in their online client, they have a a different server for people who want to play constructed some sort of version of input decks, but um, I, I'm not interested in putting every single card in my 36 card deck together, but I think it would be really cool to play combinations of decks that I just simply haven't gotten my hands on in the wild. I kind of like that idea. It's like you you can choose the three houses and you're only allowed to choose one card in each house, so you can't like combo out anything within each house. Right? Like that, That'd be totally. Cool. Yeah. That's neat. Also, if they're going to relaunch the whole game, nothing to do with the algorithm. I want resealable packaging again. I miss my my resealable boxes for when I play sealed, get three decks, have to open all three to take a look at them, <laughs> and then have to put them somewhere to bring them home again. I think we won't ever see that again. I, I think know, right? It was a logistical thing for a fear of people opening those up and resealing them and taking, you know, kind of cherry picking the decks to a degree without scanning them. Uh, I think there was a fear that that was happening to some degree. That's what I heard was part of the reason why they switched to a foil package. Because once you open it, you can't pretend like you didn't open it, especially those tab boxes. You could totally actually fudge it, I think, a little bit and mm -hmm. see what's inside. So I think there was a we'll call it a security issue with those ones. Now, next week, we're going to be talking a little bit about what we know about this developed, but obviously, while the hiatus is on, unreleased set, Winds of Exchange. One quick note I wanted to say right now, y'all. Brobnar's back, baby! Woo! <laughs> <laughs> that, that really took the sting out of it for me in a lot of ways, and they're right there in the, the art that they released for it. But also, our thoughts about uh, the potential for the digital version um, that they have teased here. Um, we'll be talking all about that next week on Help from Future Self. But right now, it's time for the titular segment. Help, Help from, future, from self. future Self. It falls on me this week, y'all. So, this is an old lesson, and it's one we've said over and over and over and over. And I'm going to reiterate it here, and I'm going to give you the context for it. This past Sunday evening, myself... And the Wheeling Keyforger, Rick, who's going to be with us for the episode next week, and uh, Sydney and Blake, all got together to be part of a Keyforge stream. Like, it's a big international 24-hour Keyforge stream. Uh, Blake was was basically hosting it for the final for the final two hours. And uh, in that final two hours, Sydney and I played a series of games with two decks that Blake opened up on stream. And we basically did a whole chain bidding thing with them. We played like kind of a fun adaptive variant uh, of those two decks. It was super fun. Sydney, thank you so much for those games. It was such a pleasure to play against you. You bet. I messed up playing a fair game twice during those <laughs> games two times i played that card that has been around since the coda era the worst way that you could possibly play them 
And both times, like one time it bit me, one time I kind of got away with it. But here is the thing. We know though the lesson of read the card, make sure you understand what it does. Even if you might think you know what it does, if you're a little bit unclear in your mind before playing it, don't just play it for the sake of playing it. Actually take like the 10 seconds to read the text. And I was distracted um, and, and a little hungover if I'm being honest. But <laughs> after that happened once, I did not take the time the second time around and I repeated my mistake an incredibly sloppy play on my part because, okay, one time, whatever, you're tired, it's late at night, you're a little hungover, we're just playing for, fr for fun amongst friends, we're chatting amongst ourselves, we're having a good time, there's nothing at stake, fine, that's okay, but there's really no excuse the second time, that's literally not, like, that's not treating the game with a, a modicum of respect, like, and your opponent with a modicum of respect at a certain point. I don't want to overstate this, but putting the effort into playing well with your opponent, I think is oftentimes like kind of a thing that, that shows that like you're not wasting their time. And I felt kind of bad about it to be perfectly honest. So, uh, you know, just, just take that time, read those cards. Don't make the same mistake twice. If you had a card that puts you in a, like a weird situation earlier in the game, look at it again, the second time it comes around in a future game, or if it comes around cycles in the same game and really like think about it and absorb it. Don't play sloppily because that's not super fun for your opponent. And ultimately it's not super fun for yourself. You owe me a rematch. Anytime, I, any place, pal. I still can't get over that uh, super high IQ play you did when you uh, were like, oh, I'm going to drop this this uh, strange gizmo down when I have 10 times more creatures than my opponent. And then all this ember is uh, is on the other, your side, and then it blows up. But what do you know what happens when you get your TMTP? Wow, your foresight on that SCSI was next level. Yeah, you know, I 100% planned that. I was playing three-dimensional chess in my hungover mind, and that's how that ended up happening, Blake. That was great. That was one of my favorite parts of that game. That's that's Coda Keyforge, baby. Yeah. Um, with all of that said, you can find us on Twitter at HFFS Podcast. You can find me on Twitter and on Instagram and on The Crucible at Scuzzy Gruen. Sydney, where can they find you? I am SC Steel on TCO and Discord. And Blake, where can they find you? What do you got going on? You can find me on Twitter at uh, Boulevard Blake. That's BLVD Blake. Same for my YouTube. And guess what, folks? It's that time again. Keyforge sales. That's right. AOA is now in the mix. So if you're looking to get some cheaper product, then you can sometimes find around. Uh, hit me up by email that's boulevard paper fight blvd paper fight or on discord boulevard blake number sign 3840 we got 48 decks worlds collide aoa for 200 dollars shipped anywhere in canada and the u.s so hit me up if you're interested in that and we got cases of mass mutation that's uh cases of mass mutation archon deluxe they are 385 dollars for 72 decks shipped anywhere in canada and the US. And we all know more won't be printed, so get your hands on it. Get it while you can. All right. Until next time, though things may be dark, it's just before the dawn. Stay forging, y'all.